got a lot of things to be praying for, for sure, as a church. You know, it's it's no small thing for for our drummer boy back there that uh, is not with us this week and, and won't be for some time, at least drumming. Um, had open heart surgery this week. So be in prayer for, for Andrew, for sure, in his recovery. Um, he is certainly asking that you uh, connect with them this week before uh, just showing up. Obviously, it can be pretty overwhelming. And the first few days have been really, like, painful and not real enjoyable. His nights have been really difficult. Um, but, praise God, his procedure was, you know, successful. So that's, that's amazing. And all, all glory to God because he is good. Um, Pastor Gary is with uh, five other guys in Africa. So they are actually probably finishing up church. They've been done for a while, but they're seven hours ahead of us, and their church was at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So they're with Watoto before, which is really cool, thinking of them being here with us, and now we have our guys there with them. So continue to pray for them. Really a sad story. Whenever you go to the other parts of the world, you realize, first of all, how blessed you are. But also the enemy is without question at work, even in our on our soil, but the enemy is at work all over trying to discourage and trying to destroy lives. And so continue to pray for our team, but also that they can be a, certainly a testimony. Pray for Watoto because they really are a light in the darkness. Uh, Pastor Gary says their first experience of their first few days there is just like mind-boggling. You know that people are just wandering the streets with no purpose, with nothing to live for, and so it's always an eye-opening. We always challenge people because it's eye-opening. Go on a mission trip. doesn't matter how old you are. Go to the mission field at least one time. Look for every opportunity to do so because it changes your perspective completely. So I have a message for you, and I hope you're ready to hear it. How many of you actually woke up this morning saying, I'm ready to hear from God this morning? You know, I mean, I, I hope that's our mentality, but this is what I want to get across today is that we, we got to get back to that childlikeness of our faith. Because it's easy just to, while well, we go to church, and, and props to you, families and parents and, and even young people that come of their own free will. Props to you for desiring to want to be a part of church and making it a priority in your life. But you all know that at the same time, there are seasons of just dryness. And like, I'm just kind of going through the motions to where we need to get back to the start. When I watch that video, I think, man, all those kids and all that equipment, you know, because like that, that uh, sound booth over there is like a sanctuary in the sanctuary that you stay away from. Your drinks stay far away. Your kids stay far away, you know. But how amazing in the perspective that we must have. And this is what you recognize as a parent. And this, is, this has always been my philosophy as a youth pastor as well. You got to allow a little bit of craziness. You know, allow a little bit of, you know, rebellion, so to speak. And you got to obviously stop them at a certain point too. But I have a message for you and I hope that you will take it. I think it's time that we get back to this childlike faith and I think this speaks to a lot of people in the room because it's really easy just to go through the motions and to forget what God really has for us. There was a time when we could boldly like profess, I'm a Christian and I'm not ashamed of, the, of this or I'm not ashamed of, of preaching the Bible or saying that the Bible says this and I'm going to live according to this. There was a time that even if we didn't understand it, even if we didn't understand God's word all the time, there was a point to where we just said, I believe anyways. I remember when I first accepted Christ in third grade. In third grade, you know, you're not out doing all kinds of crazy stuff like dealing drugs, but we were doing bad stuff on the playground to each other. Filthy jokes, filthy mouths, all this different stuff in third grade. And I remember when God got a hold of me, my mom sat me down one evening and shared with me the gospel message, and I received Christ into my life. And I went back to school that very next week and said, I'm different. I'm not taking part. It might be something little to some people to think, oh, that's just a third grader making a decision not to cuss anymore, not to share dirty jokes, not to laugh at dirty jokes. But the reality is that, that subtle change has changed the rest of my life because it's not just little, it's God 
bringing you from darkness to light. And it's something to hold on to. And it's really interesting, you know, because in that day and that time in my life, I just believed because God said in his word, this is the way it is. And it's funny when you get on the playground, too, that there can be arguments and your argument can simply be this. My mom said so. Do you remember when that was a valid argument to defeat everybody on the playground? Like you're, you're arguing about this thing. Like, it's, no, it's this way. No, it's supposed to be this way. My mom said, and it stops everybody. Like this kid actually talked to his mom. You know, there's, there's something about moms that sets up some serious authority. Moms have special privileges. You know that about bringing food into everywhere that you're not supposed to bring food. First of all, because they have a purse that can do it. You know, they're lugging around a lot of stuff. Um, but secondly, um, because most people are going to look at it like, okay, you have little kids. I don't care that you have snacks. Keep that kid's mouth full and happy. You know, that's so people just understand it. But this is also true. The one and only time that it's socially acceptable to sniff another human's rear end. Moms get away with stuff, you know, and, and not that dads don't do that too, but you get away with stuff at different seasons of life, right? But sadly, in comes maturity, and with it, a lot of times, a loss of passion, and you start to lose your innocence, and your desire for God, and your fervor, and your spiritual desires start to dwindle, and you know, I got to a point, when I was in third grade, I accepted Christ, and I got to a point when I was in junior high, junior high is tough. At the junior high, and I made it all the way through junior high, really just sticking to my thing. But, but by the time I was done with eighth grade, I was like, you know, I really feel like I just want to be accepted by people. I'm sick of being the outcast. I'm sick of being hated. And so there was a dwindling even of my faith at that point in my life. And so you have to deal with fitting in, you know, when you're young. And you have to look the part. And the reality is it's no different than when we're old. We think that we have to live a certain way or look a certain way or, or have a certain type of house or spend this much on a car or, or a home or whatever. But the reality is this. We face ridicule in life. We face hurt in life, disappointments. We face abuse. There's verbal abuse. There's physical abuse. There's sexual abuse. And, and those things relate to some people in the room more than other people. And all those things bring not just a whole bunch of hurt and baggage, but they bring a lot of confusion as well. So it leaves us wondering who we even are. The enemy is the master at trying to trick you into thinking that you're not who God says you are. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. But the enemy is going to come in and he's going to try to wreck that in your thinking before anything else. Because that's the only thing that he can affect. Apostle Paul is praying for the believers in the book of Colossians. He's praying that they would have spiritual wisdom and understanding. And verses 10 and 12 of Colossians 1 says this, And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you can have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of the kingdom of light. Give thanks to the Father because he has qualified you. He has qualified you. It's not based on what you have done. You are qualified because God says you are qualified. You are good enough. You are righteous enough, not by your own strength, not by your own doing, but because God so loved and he sent Jesus to be that for you. If you don't believe it for yourself, you need to stop right now and recognize that my mom said so, and you must believe. That whole idea is what we do need to understand because God said so, I should believe it. We should be able to stand on God's word just like as a kid I could stand on my mom said so. We're in a day, in an age right now where we are in a fight. And so it's time that we get back to the start. And so there are times that you don't want to think about the past and dwell on the past. But at the same time, you got to learn from the past and understand some things. So it's time we get back to the start. The start of, the start of what it looked like when we were first saved. Do you remember that time? 
Remember that passion? When you were first called, what has God called you to? When you were first pulled out of the muck and the, the garbage in life, remember those days when the passion of God was so real and so true. And it's not to say that it's not true now. I guarantee you that every believer in the room, we're all at different stages, so I, I get that. But no matter what, this message is for every single one of us. Because the reality is no matter how far away I go or how distant I've been in reading my Bible, when I open my Bible again, there is power in God's word. And the confusion that is out there in this world today needs that truth. And if we're not the ones standing on that truth, believing that truth, then who is it that's going to tell them? So Paul is writing this book of Colossians from jail. And he's got kind of an urgency behind it because he knows he's in Rome and he's in jail and this might be it for him. Because he's already faced this so many different times. So there's an urgency behind his message to say, listen to the words that I say because you need to hear this. This might be my last word. And he says to them, you need to be bearing fruit, you need to be growing, you need to be strengthened. You need to be giving thanks, always understanding that God has qualified you. So he's telling them, live as the qualified. Live as the people that are qualified. Stop allowing the past to dictate your future. But as believers, if you know Jesus as your personal Savior, if he is Lord of your life, this is the truth. Who we are is greater than what we do. And the devil likes to play on this a lot. Because he likes to play on who we actually are. And if he can convince us that we're something other than what God says that we are, then it will destroy our future. Who we are is greater than what we do. So go ahead and do whatever you want. As a child of God, seeking God's pleasure, seeking God's purpose, go and do whatever you want because everything that you do will line up with God's purpose for your life. If you know who you are and you live according to that, what you do will be pleasing to God. Who we are is greater than what we do. Who we are is greater than what others have done to you. Something to really think about. Because there's so much hurt in life. There's, there's so much disappointment. But what other people say don't dictate anything about who you are. Who we are is greater than what the enemy says or what the enemy does. So it makes sense that the enemy would attack who we are first. So there's got to be an evaluation. This week, this week I, uh, I, sh- I preached about this actually before. Life International is downtown. It's an old abortion clinic. They turn it into a house of prayer. And they go all over the world with a message of hope. Um, and, and I sat down with them because I want to bring our students out there on a, on a regular basis to pray and to share the story and to make impact in young people's lives. And so for them to give me, like, the, the code to get into the place, of course, they got to know who I am and where I'm coming from and in my heart. And so we sat down. I sat down with one of the directors there, and she put, brought us into the, the um, prayer room, they call it. And they had this giant map of the world. Do we have a map of the world? There's a map of the world. This is really awesome because, like, it's kind of phenomenal just to think about this. Like, I, it, it's, it's a different perspective for me. There are a few different things. When I think of just, just the United States, you know, where we live, I'm, I'm really just thinking, first of all, I remember all the times of traveling all over the place. My family drove everywhere. We drove all the way down to Florida every year and then all the way up to Colorado once some family moved out that way. So we're always on the road. We had, so there are memories, there are things that stick in your mind. And you can, you can relate to this. Looking at the map of the world, things come up and it helps you to evaluate your own personal life. Some people haven't been outside of the state of Michigan and that's pretty sad. Michigan's a great state, but man, there's, there's a world out there that you need to explore and that you need to see. But family trips, I remember because when we had, when we had a, a family reunion out in Idaho, the thing that burns in the back of my mind are picnic tables that wouldn't stay on all four feet. So if you're sitting on one side and people are sitting on the other side and the other people get up and leave, you're going over. And I just remember my grandma laying flat on her back with her lunch all over her because the people got up without warning. 
So there are things about your past that you remember that are significant. And as I stood in that prayer room in this giant map of the world, and she said, just share with me your story. And it was like, man, that map helps me share my story. Because I've experienced a lot of different things. Not just family trips, but mission trips. My first trip was down to Puerto Rico. That's not the one yet. I went down to Puerto Rico. Put the map back up there. I'm pointing to Puerto Rico. You see it? Yeah. So I went to Puerto Rico, and uh, my second mission trip was to Brazil. Both were an experience, without any question. Um, then we went to Mexico. I've been going to Mexico for years and years and years, and that's where this picture comes in. That in Mexico this last year, we were actually reading a book. Um, I actually have the book. I, I still like go back and read it because there's so much power in that book, so many powerful things. But we were reading about the enemy and how the enemy is even called the Lord of the Flies. Some of you read that book when you were in school, The Lord of the Flies. So he references in that book, The Lord of the Flies. And we went to these ladies' house. Um, the grandma, who I have my hand on right there, and the next to her is her, her daughter. Years and years ago, we went to this, this grandmother's house, and she's taking care of, there are only six kids there, but there are eight kids total. And grandma was taking care of all of them because mother was in jail. And so we brought food, and we, and we prayed over her in her house. This year we did the same thing, not realizing that her daughter was actually home. And so we were there and we're praying over grandma again. And she says, well, my daughter's here. And so they came out. And we had the privilege as a team this, this last year of actually leading both of them to Christ. And seeing, as we prayed for them, we were just praying over them, just like we brought you food and we're just going to pray over you. We put our hands on them and we just started praying and they just started shaking and they just started crying and they just started pouring out. And so the people that were translating for us, they, they just started talking to them about the gospel and then they looked at me and said they want to understand the, the gospel. And so I, I walked them through the gospel message and then we said, is that something you want to receive? And they said, absolutely, we need this for our lives. And they surrendered their lives. And I want you to recognize something. We walked into that little shack that they live in. We stepped up to the curb and you had to step up and in to their house. And we had to walk through a wall of flies. It was like the most disgusting place you could ever possibly think of living in. In all of our minds, because that very day we were just reading about the Lord of the flies. And you see how God starts to work in your life. And he starts to, and, and the map of the world brings back a lot of different things that God has done. And we stepped in to this house through the flies, but then they found Jesus. And I'm not, I'm not kidding you. We, we stepped out of the house and one of the guys, I think it was Bodie, actually just said, the flies are gone. And we just said, hallelujah. Can you put up a hand and just say, hallelujah? Because, because God is so much bigger than the Lord of the flies. We walked into a wall of flies, but we walked out to where there wasn't a fly in sight. Because salvation brings change into your life. It is something that you need. We've gone to Canada on mission trips. I've been to Vietnam four times myself. Pastor Gary has gone numerous times for the last... 25 years. Australia is nothing that we've connected to, but Pastor Gary is connected to Australia through Vietnam. I, when I was in third grade, I not only got saved, but I felt called. And I, I felt called to be a missionary to Australia. I've never been there. I, I don't really plan to go there. But this is the reality. When God is stirring in your life and you're just obedient to take that step, to take that leap, it's amazing. Our ladies have been to China, they've been to India, and now we're in Africa as we speak. Isn't God good? One of the best things you can do is go around the world. And this is one of the things that really hit me. This is actually where my story started with the lady that I was talking to. Because most of you look at Russia and you say, evil, right? This evil power. Some of you know where I might be going with this, though. Because my wife, when she was seven years old, moved from Russia with her family. And I, that's the first thing that I noticed is look at how far away Russia is to Michigan. And why on earth would God find a way for two people that far apart, two different worlds apart? And not only that, but they, you know, Ina grew up in California, 
Then she went off to Florida. Why would she ever come to Michigan? But she did. Just that, you know, you want that snow again back in Russia. I don't know what it is. But isn't it amazing? There are stories behind even just the map of the world. And it's, there are times that we have to just get back to the start of when something fresh happened, when something exciting happened. Don't forget what was. Because there's a story behind that. She, Ina didn't even know. She just said this week she was talking to her brother who shared a story about them being on the train, coming out of Russia, going to Italy to get out of the country for the first time. And on the train, they were robbed. She didn't even know that because she was seven years old. You know, you just keep that hush-hush. to the, If she didn't see it happening, you don't need to tell her about it and, and freak out a seven-year-old, you know. But there's a story involved in everything. And there are times when we just need to take a step back and actually realize, oh, man, look at what God has done in my life. Most important question. Let me back it up here. I jumped ahead. Don't forget what was is what I was saying. Don't forget where you've come from. God has done a work in you. There was a time when you had a passion for God, a desire for God. You were excited. There are some of you that, how many of you have been saved just in the last year or so at Rock Church? Because there are a number of people that, I, that I'm seeing that I'm looking at out here. And it's amazing to think about newness of life. Salvation life brings newness into the church. You know who are the problem? It's the people that have been here for too long and aren't, like, passionate about God. They're, they've lost that love. And so it's time that we get back to the, to the start. The most important question is this, is what is greater than what was? What was is powerful. Don't get me wrong. What was can be negative, too, if that's all you dwell on, just the bad stuff that happened and that holds you down and keeps you in a cage. But at the same time, what is right now should be greater than what was before. You should always be progressing forward. What is isn't greater then you need to let what was transform what is. Remember what God did. Remember what God did. How many of you have a story when that picture of the earth is up there? How many of you thought, oh, I got a story. I got something to say. I got something to share. Because God, there are things that happen in our lives that shape who we are. It's really easy to forget those things. Sadly, our childlike faith starts to dwindle away. And so this happens all the time. You hear, we call them talking points in the church, that people grab onto these talking points, and when you use it, someone else thinks that they can use it, and it kind of just grows and grows and grows, and it starts to defile a whole bunch of people, and one of those talking points is this, well, you know, we've just fallen out of love, destroying marriages all the time, we've just fallen out of love, well, you've fallen out, why don't you just fall back into love? And the reality, you know, if you fell out, certainly you can fall back in. And it's, the reality is, well, it, that takes work. It does. Put something into it again, and you'll fall back in love. Amen? Put something into it, and you'll fall. The same is true with God. Put something into it, and you'll see that God starts to work in your life. Our fault is this. We're not saturating our lives with God's word. And it's amazing how much this has come up even throughout this week. You know, I could pull up Instagram feeds of like a couple of pastors that I just read their thing and it was like, nope, it just hit me right between the eyes because it fits exactly what, what I'm trying to say. We're not saturating our lives with the word of God. That's our fault. And so if we're not saturating ourselves with God's word, plus you add to it the fact that the culture has a presence and is trying to take us down and is pressuring us, we can't even... Vote for who we want to vote for without being ridiculed. I couldn't put a Trump sign on my yard without neighbors hating me. It is a fact. We can't stand for biblical truths without being called bigots. We can't pray outside of an abortion clinic, which we did a couple of weeks ago. We can't stand outside of an abortion clinic quietly praying without people driving by, blowing air horns and cussing and screaming at us. So if you add all of those pressures to the fact that our fault is that we're not saturating our own lives with the word of God, then the reality is our voice will be silenced. 
And there's a danger to this. Our opinions are going to change. Our actions are going to change. Our service to God is going to change because the culture is going to eventually break through because we're not saturating our lives with this right here, with this book that is the word of God, that is the truth. Do you believe this is the truth? When you stand on this principle, even if you don't understand it, it's like the faith of a child. I don't know if you understand everything. I don't understand everything I'm going through, but God, I'm still going to trust in you. The sad part is that we give up. But instead of giving up, we got to believe that, that God is still on the throne. He still has a purpose and a plan, even through all the hardship in life. How many of, you, how many of us could be like Job? God said, go ahead, do all this stuff, just spare his life. Everything is permissible, just spare his life. You realize that God allows those things into your life to test you? How many of us would come through on the other side? By God's goodness, by his grace, by his mercy, we have another chance, always. God is the God of the second chance. A thousand times over. How many of you have needed his second chance? Maybe like a few thousand times over and over and over and over. Sometimes you feel like you're just a broken record, right? Sometimes you feel like your whole life just involves a big eraser and God is just, you know, doing this work constantly in your life. We need to come to a realization that what was is not an option. You hear that? What, what was is not an option. All right, doesn't, good or bad, it's not an option. You could be, I could just live in third grade the rest of my life. I'm saved. I got saved, and I can just do whatever I want the rest of my life. And just, I'm just living back in third grade when I got saved. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. What was is not an option. I should always be going to the next level, always to the next level. I should always be looking for what God has for me and my purpose in walking with him. What was happened to you to teach you what you needed to learn back at that time, to grow through. I can't stay back in third grade. I can't stay back in the good things in life. I can't stay back in the bad things in life. Both of them are going to affect me negatively. They're both going to hold me back. What was is not where you're supposed to stay. What was is what I'm trying to get across is it motivates you, but motivation pushes you forward. It never takes you backwards. You should always be moving forward. Speaking of the Israelite people, which we're actually going to talk about here in a moment, but Paul actually says this in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, these things happened to them, the Israelites, as examples and were written down as warnings for us. All right, they were examples. What was it about the Israelites? They saw miracles. They saw God work. They saw God's power right in front of them, and then they grumbled and complained. And then they saw God work mighty in their lives, and they, he protected them, and he saved them, and he, they saw all these miraculous things happen, and then they turned back to grumbling. And they used, Paul is saying, these are the examples. These Israelite people, they are the examples. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful you don't fall, Paul says. What was is not an option. Another way to put that is Egypt is not an option. I took some, some points from a, another preacher because it was spot on as to where I was going and what God was stirring in my heart to give you today. Egypt is not an option. In Numbers verse 4 and 5 of chapter 11, it says, Again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat, we remember the fish that we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks onions and garlic. Isn't it interesting what they remember? We remember the fish and the spices and oh, the buffet. Are there any buffet people in the room? I love those buffets. Wow, I just, I just heard this the other night. We never go to war with people like Mexico or China. Why not? Because they have the best food. We don't want to wreck that relationship. The buffet, the Chinese buffet. It's amazing what they put their mind on, what they remembered. All the things that could fill their belly. And they actually said, the verse says, we remember the fish that we ate at no, co at no cost. 
What about 400 years of slavery for a cost? What about all the murder that went along with it? What about all the rape and the, and the hatred? And, but at no cost, and their, their mind has just been twisted. Because we only think about our stomach. It's called the Stockholm Syndrome. Anybody know what the Stockholm Syndrome is? It's when your captor, somebody kidnaps you, so to speak, and you actually fall maybe in love with them or you have a deep respect or regard for them. Interesting that the person that is taken captive would in the beginning be so afraid of the captor, but eventually would fall in love or at least become loyal to as a friend the captor. It comes from 1973, a bank robbery that happened in Stockholm where two men um, held four bank employees for like a week. And in the end, this is what the, the article actually says, the victims appeared in the end when it all was finished. The victims appeared to have developed positive feelings for their captors and even expressed compassion towards them. This is what happened to the Israelites. This is what's happening to us. We're, we're more and more looking like the world, and so we're accepting the fact that the enemy is just, oh, he's, he's not as bad as what the Bible says he is. He's not as bad as what the preacher says he is or what I've grown up. And we've, we've just allowed him to seep in just a little bit more and a little bit more. And if we're not careful, we're going to be the people of God. Praise God, we're the people of God. Praise God that he's delivered us from the kingdom of darkness. But if we're not careful, we'll have all these things. We'll be loved by God. We'll be chosen by God. We'll be called by God. We'll be accepted by God. But we're going to miss the promised lands. If we're not careful, we'll be the people of God, but we won't enter. God has a purpose for your life, but we consume ourselves with our desires for our, from within our stomach more than desires of anything spiritual. Is it possible to go to heaven and not experience heaven on earth? I think it is. And it's time that we take that step. We become believers, yes, but we miss out on the purpose for our life. God has called you to so much more. How many of you know exactly what God has called you to? Anybody know? You know exactly, that's not very many hands. Do you know exactly what God has called you? As Christians, do you know what God has called you to? He's called you to be a light. That's actually kind of sad. There's only a few hands. Do you realize that even within your job, even within right where, even if you're not happy in your job, God still has a purpose for your life in being there? You got to think about this. God has called you to so much more. You have to believe that God has a greater purpose. You just have to choose your purpose. And this is how you do it. First of all, you choose your cost. You choose your cost. Every single thing has a cost. This is what you really have to understand. In order to really recognize the purpose and the plan for God in your life, you have to realize that everything has a cost. There is a cost of success and there's a cost of laziness, both. But you got to choose the cost. Which direction are you going to go? You get young people saying, well, I, I want to make some money, you know. I, I, I'm working this job, but I want to make more money. And we'll get a second job. What? Uh, uh, huh? You know, like, well, you got to outweigh the cost, okay. Like, there's going to be a cost in both one. You either got to sacrifice a little bit more or you're not going to have the money that you say that you want. You got to decide, am I going to pay the cost of success or the cost of laziness in your life? You pay the price now so you don't have to pay it later. You hearing me? You pay the cost now so you don't have to pay for it later. Why not be on the side of, like, playing offense rather than playing defense all the time trying to catch up? It's, it's about getting on the right side. of The cost of buying a home versus the cost of leasing or renting. The reality is if you can, if you can rent, I guarantee you, you can afford to buy, you know. But there's a cost on both sides for sure. The cost of a budget versus the cost of debt. I heard this week that debt is buying things that you don't need to impress people that you don't like. You're just, you're just building up, building up, just buying stuff left and right, just, just going into debt. Both of them have a cost, though. You have to sacrifice 
even to get ahead. The cost of living in God's promise versus living in regret. Young people need to know this one. Maybe some old people too. How many of you are not good at getting up in the morning? Young people are like that. <laughs> some, uh, some of you aren't very young. And you need to maybe get this one. The cost of getting up early versus the cost of living in a frenzy every single morning. Like, I got to leave at 7.30, so I'm going to get up at 7.29. You know, and you're scrambling to get out, and you're always late for everything. And you, and you come to church, and you're just like, pray for me. I really need to have favor with my boss. And it's like, no, you don't. God is not going to honor that. What God is going to honor is you actually getting up early, taking a shower, doing what you need to do, preparing yourself, setting the stage. There's a cost for everything. If you want to just sleep in a little bit more and be lazy, there's going to be a cost to that. But you got to choose your cost. They come back and they say, oh, God's really shown me fair. No, you just, you just acted out of obedience in one little thing in your life. What if you actually woke up early, spent time with God? You actually pull out a decent pair of clothes that were hanging in the closet, that were washed and are clean. And what if you actually thought ahead of time? What if you actually got in your car and you drove to work at a reasonable amount of speed? You know, like not 89 miles an hour. Like, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. Because then you get a ticket, you get pulled over and you get a ticket, and then you come to church next week, oh, I need a financial miracle, guys, please pray for me. It's just, it just keeps on going. What if you just pay the cost up front? This is a thing about, and this is so powerful to think about, the Egyptian lifestyle was, was lavish. They had all this delicious food. They all, so the Israelites naturally uh, think of all the fish, all those spices, those, those leeks and onions and all that. Was, this is the truth about the garlic and the onions and all that stuff. Yes, they had them in Egypt, and they were delicious. But all that same stuff was also in the promised land. They were desiring the things that they used to have there, not realizing, not thinking, not putting their faith in God to say, well, they're also in the promised land. What you want is also in God. What you want to have in your life is also in God. This is the truth. That delicious food, that buffet is in the promised land too. Sex is in the promised land too. You can find a spouse in the promised land too. It just has to be in the way that God designed it to be. Not the way that you want it to be. And we're not patient enough to actually sit back and say, okay, what is God's purpose for my life? And I'm going to stay focused on that regardless of the circumstances around me. Regardless of how overwhelmed I feel in life, there's no time to just take a break from God. Are you willing to live God's way right now to see the blessings of God tomorrow? I posted this this week because I think that it's valuable and something that, that I oftentimes need in my own personal life too. I posted God to pray this with me. God, everything I have is everything I need. Everything I have is everything I need. Just be content with exactly what you're at. It doesn't matter if you have sickness. It doesn't matter if you're laying in a hospital bed for the next week like Andrew. Everything I have is everything I need. Because there has to be a stopping point. There has to be a point where they actually opened up Andrew and, and solved the problem in his heart so that he could, in the end, live a longer life. But we don't want to slow down enough to allow God to do that surgery. We don't want to slow down enough to allow God to minister to us. God, everything I have is everything I need. Stop looking everywhere else. Stop grumbling and complaining. Stop being the gossips and the grumblers. Second Peter 1.3 says, his divine power, God's power in our lives gives us everything that we need. We don't need to be searching for all these other things. Praise God for young people, and we still pray for them, because it doesn't mean that they're not going to go the way of the world once they're out of high school. But praise God that they actually recognize and are willing to sing a song that says, I've searched and I've searched and I've searched and I've found nothing. Only when I found Jesus did I find purpose in my life. 
Look at Numbers chapter 13. We were in chapter 11. They were saying, remember what it was like. Now it's in chapter 13. They came back. You know, they sent spies into the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron, the whole Israelite community, after spying out the land. There they reported to them the whole, and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us to. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land, but we can certainly do it. But the men had, who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. Are you listening to this? They spread among God's people a bad report about the land that they had, they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. And the people we saw there are of great size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Choose your cost. They chose to wander in the desert rather than the blessing of walking into the land that was given them by God. Choose your cost and choose your butt. One T on this butt. One T. Choose your butt. If you're looking at the passage, you, you will recognize something significant. These people, the, the, all the spies came back and they're like, Moses, look, look at this incredible fruit. You know, it's like shopping at Costco. These things are huge. They were just pouring out the, oh, man, it, it, the food is phenomenal. Like we just said a couple couple days ago that we remember the food there, but there's, there's some real delicious food here as well. But there are spies in the land. Sorry, there are giants in the land. Moses, you know, this, this stuff is great. This, it looks wonderful, but the people there, man, they're, they're going to take us out. But two men rose above, you know, Joshua and Caleb said, yeah, there are enemies, there are giants, there are fortified cities, but, see, it depends on where you place the but. You can choose to look at all the bad things in life. You, you can choose to, to live that way, or you can choose to put a faith in God, because God says, no, you can have this land, this is yours, just go in, take this land, it is yours, but we're stuck. Where you, where you put the butt will depend on where God will put your butt. Isn't that the truth? Where you put the butt. This is, it's, it's true about this property that we're in right now, this incredible building. We could have said, well, you know, we're a small church. You know, like, like it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful facility. It's a ground of great frontage of property on this awesome, you know, road. With lots of people driving by. But I don't know. It's going to be pricey, and we don't have that many people and, and all these. Or we can say, yeah, you know, our church might be small, and, and the economy might not be great, and, and, you know, all these different things. But God did provide for us thus far. And our church is not just growing numerically, but people are coming to Christ. Like God is working. In our, so where do you put the but? Where, how, do you, how do you process it in your mind depends on where you will go. Are you going to be a wilderness wanderer or a promise follower? Because God has a purpose for you. Joshua and Caleb are saying, yeah, they're enemies. But uh, this is what I love. First of all, back in chapter 11, it says they started spreading rumors among the people. And I love what Caleb does right here. He says, stop, stop, stop. Caleb steps up and he says, stop all the talk, quiet everybody down. This is what God says. You know, there's a time that we needed to say, stop, stop, stop talking. Stop talking against my friends. Stop talking against my church. Stop talking against my pastor. Stop talking against my God. This is the truth. Think about the Israelite people. They saw 
Three million people delivered out of Egypt. That's a miracle in and of itself. They saw a pillar by day and by night guiding them. They saw water come from a rock, a lake separate, and they could walk through on dry ground. They saw the army of the Egyptians swallowed up by that same lake. God was incredibly awesome in every aspect. But they chose a different path. And we will too. The Israelites spread a bad report. Verse 32 says, God, everything I have, everything I have is everything I need. Stop the grumbling. You know, they let the grumbling of their stomachs in the beginning turn into the grumbling of their mouths. Stop the grumbling. Stop the complaining. Start just focusing your attention on God. Do you realize that you are oftentimes the most and the biggest enemy in your own life? You're the one destroying the very thing that God is trying to do. Just trust in the faithfulness of God. Let's go take the land. You got to choose your cost, you got to choose your butt, and you got to choose your future. Verse 33 of Numbers 13 says, Next to them we felt like grasshoppers, and we looked the same to them. Proverbs 23 7 says, As a man thinks, so is he. They were deceived. They started to think there's no way. We can't do this. We felt, we felt. We don't live by feelings. You got to understand this. We don't live by feelings. Sometimes you go to church and you feel God. You feel the presence. You feel excited. Sometimes you go to pray and you feel like you're a godly person. You feel like God is working. Sometimes you feel like a grasshopper. But you do it anyway. You step forward anyways. You make that move anyways. Pray anyway. Worship anyway. Love God anyway. Stand for truth anyway. Stop living by how you feel, and start living for the truth. I want you to watch and listen to this little song and video. God is so good. Close your eyes for just a moment to just take this in. God is so good. Think about how good he's been to you. God is so Amen. This world is good. 
Some of you in the room need to step up and do it anyway. Take a, take a leap of faith. Dive into what God has for you. I want you to, to think about what Paul gives us, too, in the armor of God. This is, this is really a powerful point. There are six armors. I'm just going to just share the first three. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of peace. And Paul says specifically that you are to stand firm in those three things, meaning that as a Christian, you already have these things. You just need to stand firm in them. Just look the enemy in the eye. Look the destruction in the eye. Look the frustrating things in the eye and just say, I'm, I'm moving forward anyway. I'm striving towards this anyways. You are well able to make it. God has given you the ability to step forward and to make it. Oh, God, pour out your blessing on us. Do you realize that just one little act of obedience, God will expand into a, a whole life of blessing? Do it anyway. Don't worry about what the world says or anybody else says. Do it anyway. Let's pray. Jesus, we believe in your power. We believe in your word. We believe you are the answer for everything that's in our lives. For every person in this room that, that is struggling to take that next step in their life, to face the things that they're facing. God, would you pour out your spirit? Put up your, room, put up your hand in the room right now. Nobody's looking around. Just put up your hand and say, oh, God, I desperately need to take this step, and I don't know what it means, what it looks like, but I need, I need this thing to change. I need to just make this step of obedience. Just put up your hand. Say, that's me, God. Oh, that's me. I need to just take this step of obedience because the enemy has me. The enemy is tricking me. The enemy's telling me otherwise, but I'm going to do it anyways. God, for every single person, would you pour out your spirit on them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you don't know Jesus personally, that's the starting point. You need to come right up here right now and just talk to me. There are, continue to pray, like I said, for Pastor Gary and the team and for Andrew. And come back, guys, tomorrow night. Ladies, there's Bible studies this week, too, on Wednesday. So, Everything is on tonight, Awana and youth group and college ministry, the whole shot. So be blessed. Be a blessing to someone on your way out. Amen.